If you have your Bibles with you this morning, just, I've got so many different verses, but let me just encourage you to turn to Isaiah 26, 3, and 4. Isaiah 26, 3, and 4. Here's a great, great word of encouragement, a great word of comfort. It says in Isaiah 26, 3, and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. In a troubled world, in a troubled world, full of troubled people, many distraught, many at the end of their rope, many who are facing uh, despair and discouragement. Listen to this word. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you he trusts in you trust in the Lord forever for Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength then there's one other verse that gives us a great insight as to why Jesus came I want you to listen to this Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, was talking about how John the Baptist was going to go before Jesus. And it says here, this is what he was going to say about him. In Luke 1, 78, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring, Jesus is called the day spring. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring has visited us to give light Jesus came to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Now get this. And to guide our feet into the way of peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And Jesus came to guide our feet into the way of peace. Then Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of what? Peace. You know, it's all about peace. He's going to guide our feet into the way of peace. And if we'll keep our mind on Jehovah... We can live in a chaotic, troubled, disturbed world with a heart full of peace. Would you pray with me for a moment? Lord, I know this is a word from you. You knew who was going to be here today. You knew their need. And Lord, I have such uh, faith and confidence in the word of God. I thank you that the Bible is the word of the living God. It's alive. It's powerful. It penetrates the deepest part of our being. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit has come to bear witness to the word and to exalt Jesus and to draw us to him. Lord, speak to every person here today at their point of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Tucked away in the newspaper this week, I read a disturbing article. I mean, I just could not believe that it could be that true. I said, 
why is this on one of the back pages of the paper? Why isn't it front page news? Why isn't there an outcry that there's an epidemic in the land that is disturbing? You know what it was all about? It was a little small article on suicide. Did you know, and I want you to listen at this, in the last 10 years in America, the last 10 years in America, the suicide rate for those between 35 and 64 has increased 40%. 40% in 10 years. Did you know the fourth cause, leading cause of death between those in 35 and 64, heart disease, cancer, accident, and suicide? Do you realize that over 978,000 people attempted suicide in America last year? One every 37 seconds. And then on top of that, 38,458 succeeded in taking their life. A person every 13 minutes and 7 seconds. And in researching this, I found out that for every person that commits suicide, it affects at least 6 people. And found out that over the last 10 years, with all the suicides, over 78 million people have been touched by someone who took their life. Did you know that suicide is the 10th largest cause of death in America? It's the third highest cause among young people. Folks, something's wrong. I mean, something's bad wrong. I mean, we talk about research for cancer, and we talk about research for heart disease, and, and I'm all for that. But let me ask you a question. Who's doing anything about people who've lost hope, who've lost courage, who can't face life anymore? And the only answer they see is to take their life. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. You know, the last 10 years have been rough years. 9-11, and then, of course, the recession. Probably maybe one of the reasons many people couldn't live any longer is they lost their job. They couldn't get a job. There was no encouragement. They saw no end to their despair, and they said, well, I don't know what else to do but take my life. It could have been that some people got caught up with a serious illness, and, and they just couldn't take the pain anymore, and they just said, well, it's not worth it, and they took their life. You know, there's an answer, folks. There's an answer. The Bible never said that life would be without heartache. The Bible never said that life would be without difficulty. The Bible never said that life would be out pa without pain. It never said that. But it did say that we have the God who loves us and who sent his son to die for us. And that Jesus came that in the midst of a sin-sick world that we might have peace. We might have peace in the midst of of the storm. I know what you're thinking. Well, Brother Fred, and I want to answer this question before I get into this message because you'll be wondering about it the whole time I'm preaching. What about a person who quote unquote is a Christian and commits suicide? 
I've done at least four or five funerals for people that I knew well who committed suicide. I remember one man very, very plainly. He was a very successful executive in one of the companies here in Mobile. And he'd battled depression off and on during his life. But I got to know him, and he'd gotten on a new medication, and the depression had been lifted off of him. And, and he had such hope about his future. Man, he, he was in the Word. He knew God. He read the Word of God. He prayed. He knew about Christ living in us. And this man really walked with God. Really. I just recently went to his widow's uh, retirement from her job at another church. But you know, he got off the medicine. And see, he got so depressed he'd have to go to bed. And finally, he just gave up and he disappeared. And they found him over in a hotel room in Orange Beach. He'd taken his life. Now, let me tell you about that man. That man was a Christian. Man, he, he was saved. Was uh, suicide a sin? Yeah. Was it God's will? No. But you see, God does not judge a person's life by one act. God doesn't just look at that man's life and said, Well, in a time of deep depression, in a time of lost control, he took his life. So he's not coming to heaven. Oh, no, 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 no. That would be depend upon a work. No, God looks at our whole life. And he does not judge a man's life by one act. And you know, I can say this. I know that man's in heaven because I, I watched him over the years live for Jesus, love Jesus, follow Jesus. And you know, I, I don't know where he crossed the line. But I do know that God had already paid for his sins in his son Jesus. And that sin was under the blood. Because Jesus died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Now let me ask you this. How do you deal, or how do we give hope to people who, who have lost hope, and who are full of despair and discouragement, and don't, don't know which way to turn? Well, the Bible makes it very, very clear that God, Jesus, came to give us peace. He came to give us peace. And when you have no peace and no hope, the ultimate t thing sometimes is death. It's been an epidemic among athletes, especially football players who got brain trauma. And we've read about it on the front page who have taken their lives. But you know, I want to talk to you today about peace. You know, th th it's possible some of you are in a hard place. Some of you may have lost your job and you don't have any hope of getting one. Some of you may be deeply distressed about your marriage and you really don't know what to do. It could be that you're deeply distressed about a son or a daughter who have made wrong choices and your heart is crushed. Well, how do you, how do you get peace in a situation like that? Well, the Bible makes it absolutely clear. There are three things I want to show you today. Number one, that we can have peace with God. We can have peace with God. We can. But not only that, this is what it encourages me, that we can have the peace of God. 
Not only can we know that we're at peace with God, but in the midst of the storm and in the midst of the heartache and in the midst of the despair and, in, and when everything about us seems to be no way out and hopeless, that, that we not only can have the peace with God, but we can have the peace of God. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. And then I'll tell you another thing. God will give us peace with others. You know, uh, the reason a lot of people lose hope is they get hurt. They get hurt. And then they get bitter. And they get angry. And sometimes they turn that bitterness and anger on themselves and say, well, I'll, I'll hurt them. And the way I'll hurt them is by taking my life. But you see, God came not just to give us peace with God. Jesus came not to just give us peace with God. But he came to give us the peace of God. And he came to enable us to have peace with other people. You know, there's a desperate need for us to have peace with God. See, if you're separated from God and you don't know him and you don't know that he loves you. Listen, so many people don't know that God loves them. They think God is an angry God sitting in heaven, just waiting on them to make a mistake so he can hit them upside the head with a baseball bat. That, that's, not the, that's not God. God, God. God is angry and he hates sin. But God loves you. He loves people. That's why Jesus came. And does God care about your pain? Certainly he does. Does he know your hurt and disappointment? The Bible says the hairs on your head are numbered. He knows everything about you. And somehow people forget, I know I'm in a hard place, but God loves me. He does love me. And, and God's not punishing me. You know, we live in a, sin, a, a world that is cursed by sin. This is a fallen world. And, 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 and things happen because of the sin of man. And, and, and so some people just say, well, I, they want to blame God for everything. If a child dies when they're young or a loved one's killed in an accident or, or something happened, well, they just want to blame God. No, why don't you just blame the devil? I mean, sin entered this world, and we're people with a sinful nature. And because of that, there's so much pain and so much hurt and so much difficulty. And, and, and so many times, people, instead of knowing that God loves them and wants to give them peace, they get angry with God for things they can't understand and things that happened. I can know many people who say, well, if that's the kind of God he is, I don't want anything to do with him. Let me tell you something. That's not the kind of God he is. For God to stop every accident, for God to stop everything that happened on this earth that was bad, he'd have to suspend the human race and have to call it quits. But you know, we can, we can have peace with God. And that's where it's got to start. We need it. Romans 3.10 says, there's none righteous, no, not one. Man, we need to have peace with God. He said, there's none righteous, not, no, not one. It says in verse 11, there's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. And it goes on and says in verse 17 and 18 of Romans 3, it says, and the way of peace, now get this, and the way of peace they have not known. 
And there's no fear of God before their eyes. You see, the problem is, we were, now, now, now get this, get this. We were created to have fellowship with God. We were created to, love, to enjoy His love. And we were created to love Him. But sin entered and our sin separated us from God. And because of that, we've gone astray. We've turned each one to our own way. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You see, one reason some people can't live their lives is they don't have any peace with God. And you know, Jesus came so that every human being could have peace with God. Jesus didn't die for the good people. He just didn't die for the white people. He just didn't die for the rich people. He just didn't die for the age. No, let me tell you something about Jesus. God loved you so much, he died for you. Put your name on that, would you? Sign your name to it. God loved me so much, Jesus died for me. You can have peace with God. Did you know that? Jesus came so that we could have peace with God. You know, but I'm going to tell you something. The choir sang about it today. God paid an awesome price for us to have peace with him. Oh, yeah, I can tell you this morning. I'm a sinner just like you are. I've sinned against God just like you have. I had gone my own way just like you did. And I was separated from God, but I'm going to tell you something. I found peace. You know where I found it? In the person of Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Fred, are you ever troubled? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you ever kind of get discouraged? Oh, yeah. Do you ever go through a hard time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not in heaven yet. Are you? But I'll tell you one thing. In the midst of it all, you can have peace with God. But it comes at an awesome price. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, was born of the Virgin Mary in a manger in Bethlehem, lived a sinless life, but at 33 years of age, he died on the cross in your place. Oh, yes. Had you been the only person alive, Jesus would have still gone to the cross because he knew that we were sinners. And that he knew that unless he paid the price for our sin, we could never have peace with God. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that, that Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. When we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible says God demonstrated his love toward us. Then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in Romans, it says, third chapter, it says, in the fifth chapter, it says, if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled by the death of his son. You know how you get peace with God? There's only one way. Well, I've got to be religious. No. I've got to do enough good works. No. I've got to go to church every Sunday. I hope you do attend church, but no. You see, the only way you can be, have peace with God is through the blood of the cross. That's the only way. In fact, it says it right here. That the only way we could have peace with God is through the blood of the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus made. I want to read it to you from the book of Colossians. Listen to what it says 
about how we can have peace with God. It says, for it, this is uh, Colossians 1, 19. It pleased the Father that in Jesus all fullness should dwell. And by Jesus to reconcile, that means to have peace. To reconcile all things to himself. Whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace. I'm reading the word of God. To reconcile all things to himself, whether things in earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That tells you right there. When Jesus died and said it is finished, from that moment on you could have peace with God. Because he paid the debt that he did not owe. He paid it all to him we owe. You see, it's through the blood of his cross that I have peace with God this morning. The blood of his cross that you can have peace with God this morning. And see, in a troubled world where almost a million people last year attempted to take their life, who knows how many of them that were never reported. Obviously, there's no peace. You know, the Bible says, and I've said that if a person lives a Christian life and follows Jesus, it is possible for them to lose it and, and to take their life. It's a sin, but it's possible. But you know what the Bible says in Isaiah 57? Boy, it's a, it's a very disturbing verse, but I'm gonna, I'll tell you what it says. And that's why we have to come to the cross and be forgiven. It says in Isaiah 57 now, verse um, uh, 20, but the wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest. Have you ever seen the sea when the waves were up and it comes in and it stirs up everything and it goes back out and it comes back in and it goes back out, taking sand with it or whatever. It says here, and the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Now listen to this. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. He said the wicked are like a troubled sea. And there's no peace, saith my God, for the wicked. But you know, Jesus came and he died for you and me. He took our place. And if we'll humble ourselves and just come to Jesus and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've sinned against you, and I need your mercy, and I need your grace, and I need your forgiveness, and I have no hope except in Christ. My only hope is in his death. I'm not trusting in religion. I'm not trusting in good works. I'm not trusting in baptism. I'm not trusting in confirmation. I, I, I'm, I'm trusting, oh God, in Jesus and in Jesus alone, and that through him my sins can be forgiven, and I can have peace with God. Do you know that Many, 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 many millions of people live with guilt and shame every day. They look back on their life and they see so many things that were not what they should be. They have not experienced the forgiveness of God. And so they wake up every morning with the millstone of guilt around their neck and the millstone of shame around their neck and they've never gone to a loving God who sent his son to die for them and said oh God forgive me of my sins God takes away the guilt 
Oh God, and wash my sins away with the blood of Christ. And he takes away the shame. And man, you get up in the morning not with a millstone of guilt and shame around your neck. You get up with a heart of peace. Because through Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. And that's for every one of you in this room. It is God's will that you have peace with him. But you know, here's the thing that really excites me. Not only can we have peace with God, but we can have the peace of God. Now, peace with God is vertical. That's through the cross. The peace of God, peace of God is inward. It's that inner peace that comes from the presence of Jesus. Let me give you two great verses. And this is true, y'all. I'm telling you, if you're saved, you know this is true. You've gone through troubles and heartaches and sorrows, and some of you are in the battle right now. But you know what? you still got peace. you got peace. You don't like what you're going through, but you still got peace. It's called the peace of God because you you got your eyes focused on Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, now this is Jesus. By the way, it's written in red in my Bible right here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, you're leaving your peace with me. You're giving me your peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. The world can't give you peace. Do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Trouble and fear. He said, I'm giving you my peace. The world can't give it to you. Don't be troubled. Overcome it. Don't be afraid. But then he said it again. And like he wanted us to know that living in this world, you don't have peace without trials. In John 16, 33, I'm talking about the peace of God. Peace with God, vertical, through the blood of the cross. God is our Father. Jesus is our Savior. And we are God's children. That's peace with God. But then the peace of God. John chapter 16, verse 33. Uh, listen to what Jesus said. 1633. I know there's a 16th chapter in this book. There it is right there. Now listen to this. These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. Now he didn't say, I've spoken this to you so that in the church you will have peace and in people you will have peace and in good works. He said, no, these things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Lord, I don't understand why I'm going through all these trials. I don't understand why I'm having all these difficulties. I don't understand why everything's not running smooth. Well, Jesus said that in the world you will have tribulation. I mean, it's it's plain. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. For a person to get to the point where they take their life, they they, they don't know anything about the peace of God. The peace of God. That Jesus said he's going to give us his peace, not to be troubled or be afraid. He's going to give us his peace. In the world, we're going to have tribulation. But he said, listen, I have overcome the world. And that's why. 
It is the presence of Jesus that gives us peace. If I didn't have the Jesus in my life, I'd be a basket case. You said you're one anyway, but at least I know it. I mean, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I, I, I don't. But you see, my peace is not in anybody other than Jesus. Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for my wife to give me peace. Forget it. Oh, no, I'm gonna, my husband's going to give me peace. Well, please forget it, will you? No, I'm going to look to Jesus to give me peace. And by the way, he never changes. This guy asked ask him, said, well, how's your wife doing? He says, which one? You ain't got but one, but I don't know which one's going to wake up every morning. <laughs> Jesus said, it's the presence of Jesus that gives me peace and gives you peace. You know, you've got to be in a bad way to want to die. Because there's a finality about it. You don't get a second chance. You don't get a rerun. You know, there were 38,000 people that succeeded last year. Think about all the fallout among their family and among their loved ones. And they all feel guilty. Well, what, did I, what could I have done that I didn't do? What could I have said that I didn't say? You know, oh, it, it, it shatters. But you know, it's not only the presence of Jesus, but listen to me. We've got to look beyond the tribulation, and we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to be focused, because it's going to be hard. It is hard, y'all. It's hard. It's hard. And if you focus on what your tribulation and trial is, it's just going to get worse. But that's why Isaiah 26, 3 said, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on his troubles. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. For he trusts in you. And Yahweh the Lord is his strength. Hey, the presence of Jesus brings peace. But man, we've got to be focused on him. And when, it, when, when the waves get high, we don't need to look at the waves. We need to look at the one who walked on the waves. And his name is Jesus. It's called the peace of God. That passes all understanding. You know, there are two verses. Let the peace of Colossians 3.15. Now listen to this. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It didn't say your peace. It didn't say an emotion that you could work up. Let the peace of God. This is the word of God. Rule in your heart. My favorite, and I want you to hear this, be careful for nothing. This is Philippians 4, 13. Listen to the verse. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Everybody in here who's never worried, raise your hand. Anybody that raised their hand's a liar. Because we've all worried. I hadn't worried since this morning. Woo. Don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing. But listen to the rest of the verse. But in everything. You know what that means? Everything. It means everything. It means everything. So your son didn't come in last night. What are you going to do? Worry or pray? So you lost your job. What are you going to do? Worry or pray? 
You've got a choice. Worry gets nowhere. It's a dead-end street. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. The doctor gave you a bad report. So what are you going to do, worry or pray? You can be concerned, but you're going to pray. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Everything by prayer. Oh, that's it. And supplication, crying out to God. Let your request be made known to God. And listen at the rest of the verse. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Did you hear what he said? Don't worry, pray. Tell God what's on your heart. And the peace of God. Oh, it's the peace of God. And then it says, it passes understanding. You know, you see a Christian in the midst of the, midst of the fire. You see a Christian in the middle of the storm. And you see a Christian that's got just got bad news and you see a Christian that everything that seems to come loose has come loose but you know what you notice that they got peace they're not necessarily happy about their circumstances it is a difficult place but let me tell you something your testimony is greater not when everything's going right your testimony is greater when everything's going wrong I've watched people Walking through the valley and valley and valley. And they had peace. And it would encourage me. I say, dear God, you brought them through that valley. And the same God that brought them through that valley can bring me through that valley. And so, Lord, I've got peace because I'm focused on you. And I'm going to pray and I'm not going to worry. I heard a sermon I think Junior Hill preached it when he was here with us, that when you walk through the valley, dig a well. So when the person comes behind who's going through the valley, he'll have something to drink from as he goes through the valley. Hey, there's not only peace with God through the blood of Jesus, and it's for you if you repent of your sins and turn your life over to Christ. But there's the peace of God. Inside of us, it is the peace of Jesus' presence. And it is the peace when we keep our focus on Jesus. But there's one other thing. Peace with God. The peace of God. But peace with others. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews 14? It says, and pursue peace with all people. And holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Now, as much as is in you, try to live at peace with all people. Now, there's some people you can't live in peace with because they don't want peace with you. That's not your problem. Your problem is that as much as you can, you walk in peace with all people. In other words, it's not about getting revenge. It's not about being angry and bitter. You see... In God's peace, as much as I can, by the presence of Jesus, I want to pursue peace with all people. Walk in peace with all people. And holiness without which no one will see God. You, you know what causes some people to go over the edge? Is they get bitter. Somebody hurts them, they get bitter. Somebody disappoints, they get bitter. I love Ephesians I think it's chapter 3 or 4 where it says, Let all bitterness 
and wrath and anger and clamor be put away from you with all malice and be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just like God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You want to be miserable? You want to have no peace? You be bitter. You be angry. You be unforgiving toward anybody. Oh, and I promise you, you'll be bitter. And you'll be angry. And you'll be miserable. You know, when you're bitter and angry toward another person, you're drinking the poison and you hope they'll die. Yeah, you're, just, you're miserable. They're going on with their life. You're just drinking the poison of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. And I'm just hoping, you, you know, but you're the one that's killing. It ain't killing them. You don't really have peace unless you have peace with God and the peace of God. And you have peace with the people God has put in your life. It's called forgiveness. By the way, forgiveness doesn't mean approval. Well, you know how bad it was. Oh, yeah, I know how bad it was. So you, you're forgiving them, yeah. So that means you approve. No, I don't approve. God forgave me of every one of my sins, and he didn't approve of a one of them. Forgiveness does not mean approval. It's wrong. It'll always be wrong. It'll never be right. But you forgive them even though it was wrong. And you, you just wipe that off the slate. And you're not going to go around carrying that burden with you the rest of your life. You're going to walk in forgiveness. And it doesn't mean approval. You know, I, I don't understand why nobody's talking about the epidemic. In 10 years, the suicide rate for people between 35 and 64 has gone up 40%. It's the fourth highest cause of death among people in that age. Somebody needs to talk about the peace with God and the peace of God. There's a vast number of people out there that are living on the edge. You may be living with, right next to somebody or with somebody that's basically given up. There could be people sitting here this morning. And God just brought this message just for you. Because really, you've pretty much lost hope. And, and, and you don't have any peace because you're looking in the wrong place. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ is sufficient for life. And Jesus Christ is sufficient for eternity. Anybody you see that, and I have great compassion on people that have depression. I don't judge them. I have compassion for them. But you encourage them. You let them know how much God loves them. You let them know you love them. And you encourage them that God will bring them through to the other side. Oh, listen. God hadn't called us to judge. God hadn't called us to be self-righteous. He's called us to love people where they are and to encourage them and to pray for them and to give them hope when nobody else is giving them hope. Peace, no peace, and no hope. Boy, it leads to a dead-end street called death. But praise God, Jesus came, and we can have peace with God. We can have the peace of God, and we can have peace with other people.